Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, all of those things, whatever the holidays um, mean for you, whether that's a good thing or the holidays might be weird for you, wherever you're coming from, I'm really glad that you've taken the step uh, to be here in community. It's good to see all of you and, and be with you and kind of extend our Thanksgiving celebration one more day um, into, into the next kind of season. If you don't know me, my name's Gil. I'm one of the pastors um, at Mountain uh, help lead our young adults community. So some of you who know that we've been in the middle of the unstoppable good thing, a movement of goodness, where we just want to say, like, we want to give, uh, make an impact in our community, in our church, in our own hearts, all of those things. Uh, and part of that, if you will remember, is we just, we became a community who just said, we want to have a place for young adults where they can come and feel known and seen and loved, help find their purpose and serve together. Uh, and I, I get to help lead that and be a part and be on the front lines of that really, really fun um, awesome work. It's been a blast. I just want to say thank you again, Mountain, for being a place that cares about young people. It's a really, really special thing, and it can't be said of every community. Whether it's kids, students, or young adults, Mountain is that kind of place, and it's really, really cool. Um, hey, I want to just uh, maybe just jump right in today uh, and be honest with you. I have a little bit of an agenda for you today, okay? Um, I don't want us to move maybe too quickly or anxiously into the holiday season that's in front of us. I want to take one more stab um, at extending the Thanksgiving kind of celebration that we've had this week. Maybe just have a moment to pause and to reflect backwards on God's goodness and give thanks one more time. You know, it feels like um, everyone in our country right now is like taking this collective like deep breath, like you can, feels like we're on a, a roller coaster about to just dive into the holiday season. I don't know, it's kind of just like one of the craziest, most chaotic times of the year um, in a lot of ways. Maybe you feel that a little bit. For the Christian tradition, actually, uh, starting next week, next Sunday, starts the season of Advent. Uh, and it's kind of the exact opposite kind of feeling for Jesus followers. It's like a season of like waiting and stillness and silence, waiting on the coming of the Lord Jesus to intervene and bring peace and rest and restoration. And it's this cool thing where the world at this time of year gets like faster and crazier and more chaotic. Uh, and the Christian community, we're like called out into this thing where uh, we slow down and pursue joy and pray continually and give thanks right in the middle of all of the chaos. And so, um, man, if you're comfortable, I want to just start this morning um, by continuing to give thanks and just pray for us as we open up this scripture one last time. Um, and maybe for you, if you want to lean forward, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to open my hands just like this, just a way to give thanks. Um, I want to invite you to do that alongside, alongside me. Let me pray for us as we get started. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, you are King and Lord, and you promise us that when we get in a room just like this, that you are somehow there, and you're present, and you're mysteriously there in the middle of it. And so we just name that your presence is here. Uh, even as we open your word and sit in chairs and do this thing, God, you're just, you're in the middle of all of it. You have created us um, in your own image to reflect your goodness and your grace and your thanksgiving back to you and on to others. Uh, I pray today that you would just help us become People marked by gratitude. Even though we may, at the moment, maybe struggle to feel it and find it, would you help us reach this morning for thanksgiving and gratitude? God, we just come before you just as we are, not, not hiding anything, uh, knowing that we're seen and known and loved by you right in the middle of life's circumstances. 
And so God, I just ask that you would, you would soften our hearts to hear your spirit during this time. So God, we just offer you thanks through Jesus Christ for this moment. We open our hands and these next few moments just to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, if you've been with us the last uh, couple of weeks, you know we've been working through this series called God's Plan, uh, and it's kind of just based out of this little tiny verse in the middle of the New Testament out of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, so if you've been with us, maybe you, you kind of just did the memorization thing, right? So we'll call it back just maybe one more time uh, and read it all together. If you're brand new with us, you're welcome to jump in and read along. Let's do it. Let's throw it on the screen, and we'll read it one more time. It says this. Read it with me. Be joyful always. Pray all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Okay, one more time. Let's do it one more time. We're really going to let it sink in, all right? Here we go. Ready? Be joyful always. Pray all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Good job, guys. We did it. Three weeks in, we kind of made it. What kind of circumstances? All kind of circumstances. Man, these words have so much power to them. I was, I was doing some like a little reading this week and um, it just hit me all over again. You know, this little book called First Thessalonians, you can read it in like 10 minutes if you want to sit down and just read straight through it. Um, it was written by a guy named Paul who writes most of the New Testament. Um, it was written around the year, scholars believe, 49 or 50 AD, uh, which actually makes this little chunk of scripture like the oldest Christian writings that we have in existence. Like the very first words written to Christian communities are these little words right here. And, and Paul has written and been with the Thessalonians before. Uh, and there's this little scene in the, the book of Acts chapter 17 where Paul and his buddy Silas and some other people, they're kind of really excited about what God has just done in their life. If you know Paul's story, he had this crazy radical encounter with Jesus, just set him on this crazy trajectory. Uh, and they're there in Thessalonica, which is in Greece now. Uh, and they're preaching about it. They're proclaiming it. They're getting other people excited about it. And they're doing all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, and the local officials are just ticked off. Like they just start this thing where they're like, these men, I think it says, uh, these men have gone against the decrees of the emperor proclaiming that there is another king, Jesus. That's Acts 17. And so there's this big violent uproar among the people and they basically push Paul and Silas out of town. They barely make it out alive, but they've left this little community of Thessalonian Christians there uh, in the middle of Greece. And by the time Paul writes this letter, they have gone through it. They have been through the ringer. Uh, there's, uh, scholars believe that um, there's this wave of persecution under the Emperor Claudius around 49 or 50 AD. Just left this little Christian community just ravaged by death and suffering and loss. And if you read the letter, you can hear Paul like responding back to their questions. What good can come of all this? What about our friends and our family that we've lost? Where is God's will in all of this? What is God's plan? And it was to that community that Paul wrote these powerful words, rejoice always, pray continually. 
Give thanks even in the worst of circumstances. See, I think we need to recover like the power that these words, they have some grit to them. They're not just words that we like stitch on our pillows and uh, hang in our bathroom. Like these are real words written to real people suffering real pain about a real God in the midst of their real suffering and pain. Raw, edgy words for disciples caught in the middle of life circumstances. He's not He's not just saying, hey, Thessalonians, I know you're having a tough time. You should try, like, maybe sprinkling in a little, little joy once in a while. Maybe a little bit of prayer might help you out. Give thanks if you're in a good mood, if you're up for it. No, it's a command. Like, in the Greek, it's written as a command. There is a life that you are made for in God's will. Live it. Live it. Make it the center of your being. Don't let your gratitude rise and fall based off your circumstances because there's a life that you're made for that's not dependent on your circumstances. So today, we just want to zoom in for the next couple of minutes uh, on this topic of gratitude, to settle in and be thankful one last time before we move on. Uh, You know, I did a little bit of um, research on gratitude this week, kind of in preparation and thinking through it. I found some really awesome stuff. It turns out Uh, gratitude is like one of the key ingredients to living like a healthy, whole human life. Just makes you a healthier person. This study at Berkeley involving 300 students um, found this. People who are generally more grateful showed greater neural sensitivity in the medial prefrontal cortex, which is a brain area associated with learning and decision-making. So people who were grateful, more grateful, uh, basically they learn more and they made better decisions. Just crazy to think about. This one was wild. In a study performed by two psychologists at the University of California, Davis, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week focusing on specific topics. So they had one group that just wrote down, they had the task of writing what they were grateful for. Uh, They had another group that was asked to write about the things that irritated them every single day. And another group was like a control group. So they they had the freedom to write about whatever they wanted. It says this, after 10 weeks, those who wrote about their gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to physicians than any of those who focused on the sources of aggravation. It's from the University of Harvard. None of their circumstances were different. You have three different groups of people. Uh, Glenn Fox says this, the limits to gratitude's health benefits are really in how much you pay attention to feeling and practicing gratitude. He goes on to say, it's very similar to working out in that the more you practice, the better you get. The more you practice, the easier it is to feel grateful when you need it. Isn't this amazing? I find this so fascinating. God has designed and literally hardwired us, our bodies, so that when we are grateful, we're actually like healthier and more whole, flourishing people. That's amazing. You and I were made for thankfulness, and we can actually train ourselves to be thankful without any of our circumstances changing. But here's the thing. There's a whole lot in our world that works against us on this. I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us, uh, myself included, have a gratitude-like deficit, uh, a gratitude gap, uh, a gap in the amount of gratitude we're actually made for. I think everyone feels this to some degree. Um, You know, one of the marks of like young people like me especially is 
we just have a tendency to, I would say, criticize and maybe be cynical a whole lot more than we celebrate and honor and give thanks. Um, But it's not just young people. It's like for those of us who have experienced years of disappointment, unmet expectations, failure, heartbreak, our hearts, they get like hardened over time, don't they? We lose the ability to see the giftedness of every moment and every person around us. Ingratitude toward God and toward one another is a terrible thing, but it often comes dressed in different clothing, like restlessness, entitlement, concerns about self-fulfillment, irritation about our circumstances, selfish expectations. Ingratitude is like a toxic and contagious thing. It poisons and hardens our hearts. I think it like shrinks our hearts in in a way. Um, Our hearts are, are too small often to receive the kind of love that we're made to receive. Does that make sense? To sustain the kind of life that we're made for. We need to let God grow our heart. Maybe you want to let God grow that capacity in you. Have you guys seen The Grinch? Some of you guys have like watched it already. We're like two days after Thanksgiving. Sue, I knew it. I knew it. Um, some of you guys have already, already kind of walked, walked through it. But the Grinch, he's this guy. He's got this little tiny heart, right? They put him on the x-ray. It's this painful growth process for him. Um, for a lot of us, sometimes we just, we're in that place, if we're honest. We need to let God grow our capacity just to give and receive love, to be the kind of people we're just meant to be. Um, Maybe you need to let God grow that capacity in you. Uh, You know, gratitude is like a couple of things. One is, uh, gratitude is like a feeling, obviously. Some of you are like, duh, obviously gratitude is a feeling. Um, It's a thing that you feel and can actually train yourself to feel more of. Um, But one of the things we need to learn how to do is, is recognize the things that block us from gratitude, don't we? Uh, for example, I'm convinced that busyness is like one of the biggest obstacles to thanksgiving in my own life, and it's probably true for some of you. Gratitude and wonder are like squeezed out of us when our lives are packed full with busyness and preoccupation. There's no room, no time to give thanks. We may only experience thankfulness if we just sit long enough to experience God's goodness. What's getting in the way for you? Do you have eyes to see the giftedness of all things? Maybe it's entitlement. You can't be entitled and grateful at the same time. You can't be angry and grateful at the same time. It's impossible to be envious and thankful at the same time. They can't occupy the same space, can they? And so the way light pushes out darkness, a lot of times we just, the first step for us is like, how do we just let gratitude push out some of those things? What is blocking the way to gratitude for you? Maybe you want to take inventory of that in this moment. What do you need to push out of the way? Maybe be ruthless with uh, to make room to feel the gratitude you were made to feel. Your gratitude is not just, um, it's not just a feeling that you get. It's actually, it's, uh, it's more like a practice too. It's something you do, something you can mark. Uh, you can develop a, a rhythm. You can develop a workout routine for gratitude, um, just like that study found. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel, including Jesus himself, had like constant reminders of thanksgiving. The book of 
Leviticus, for example, is full of these sacrifices. If you just read through it, all of them are thanksgiving sacrifices. There was one for uh, when a child was born or when uh, someone gives you a gift or, or, or a general thanksgiving offering where if you just felt grateful, you went to the temple and you offered um, a thanksgiving gift. There were like 10 holidays a year where it was food and drink and it was all centered around thanksgiving. There's psalms of gratitude that were read every single day. Susie Silk reminds us that Psalm 9, 35, 69, 95, 100, 106, 107, 118, and 113, all of them start with, thank you. Not a day went by when Jesus and the people of Israel didn't set aside moments for gratitude. Maybe you want to make one of those psalms a part of your rhythm this week. I am convinced that a a big part of just practicing gratitude is the practice of remembrance. Remembrance. In the Bible, the biggest like indictment on God's people, his biggest issue with them over and over again is that they just keep forgetting God's goodness, don't they? A failure to remember. Isaiah, one of the prophets, is all over the Old Testament. He says this, You have just forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. This word remember pops up Deuteronomy all the time. Deuteronomy says this, Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Deuteronomy is full of this word, remember. If you could just sum it up, it'd be the word, remember, and give thanks. In Joshua 4, the people of Israel finally cross over the Jordan. Uh, They've received God's promises. Um, They're excited about it. And God, through Joshua, commands them to set up these little stones. You might remember this story. They set up these 12 stones, these little stacks. He says, mark it and remember what God did here, because it says there's going to come a day when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? And you'll have an answer, giving thanks for what God has done. Remember, remember, don't forget, don't forget. How can you and I keep God's goodness right in front of our eyes moving into this next season? See, I'm convinced that we have a very real enemy at work on us. And it's an enemy that doesn't just want to create bad habits in you and I or or wreck our marriage or our family or get us to hate God, all our enemy needs to do is get us to forget God's goodness. And I think what we forget and what we remember determines a whole lot about who we become. I really, really believe that. What we forget and what we're able to remember has a big difference in the kind of people we become. I have from like as a kid, I don't know why, but I have like full episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants like stuck in my head. Songs from 2008 or 2009, Drake and Mac Miller or whoever was popular at that time that I literally can't get out of my head if I tried. The things that get stuck in our head are really, really interesting. How good is your memory? How good is your memory of what God has done in your life? So we need to practice it. It's a practice. We need opportunities to mark it daily and weekly and yearly. Last week we talked about prayer. um, And I just think these two go hand in hand in so many ways. Prayer is this way of just giving God your present and your future. Um, Gratitude is like praying backwards in some ways. 
Uh, not in the sense that you're like speaking gibberish, but like praying over backwards over your day, calling to mind the ways God has been faithful and good to you. It's like looking over your day. Maybe some of you have prayed the prayer of examine, which is exactly that. It's, a, it's an old Christian prayer that just relives your day in your head. Maybe before you go to bed, you want to put this stuff into practice. I have an app called Lectio 365, and it just reads prayers to me all the time. It's awesome because it's like sometimes you don't have the words to pray, right? So you just kind of sit with it and let other people pray over you and receive it. Um, but I love this. The nighttime like routine, it, it asks me this question. Um, these two questions. Maybe you want to just take these and just journal on these uh, every day. It says, God, in what ways did I experience your goodness and when did I hear you speak? God, in what ways did I experience your goodness and when did I hear you speak? And then you can mark it. Write it down. I have friends who are just so, so good at this. It's just, they've made this a part of their daily and weekly rhythm. They do it so well. There's nothing too small to be grateful for and to mark down. Maybe you want to write letters of gratitude. How can you physically, physically mark gratitude to God and to others during this time? These things, they grow our heart. They really do. Our heart is a muscle and it needs to grow. Um, and these are the things that sustain it. Uh, and so it is a practice. And it's also, you know, according to our verse that we've just looked at, it's like a way of life. Gratitude is a way of just being in the world. And it can be a part of us no matter the circumstances. It's a command to be thankful. Remember, be thankful in all circumstances. Here's what I've noticed. As people grow up and as they age, they show us whether or not they become grateful people. People of gratitude and joy and prayer over their lifetime. My grandfather is one of these people who's just seen everything. He's seen pain and loss and the worst of the world and the best of the world. He's been through the worst of circumstances, I can promise you, and he's the most grateful person I know. Just last week I was with him and he was reflecting in gratitude about his own life. He's one of those people that his life has just moved in the direction of gratitude over and over again. And I just don't think you just drift into that by accident. You don't, become, you don't wake up at 80 or 85 and just be a person of gratitude. There's something intentional about it. Um, can I like talk for just a second to, if you are in this room and you, you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been around Mountain for a little bit, and you're maybe over the age of 35 or 40, let's say. Um, I just want to say, we're in a moment right now where we are like handing the keys over to what the church is going to look like um, to Gen Z right now, which is so exciting um, and scary and all of those things. Uh, and if you're over 35 or 40, like you, you have carried not only this church, but um, God's church, you've carried us and you are handing it over in many ways. And I work with young adults and I get to, get to kind of be on the front lines of what that's going to look like, which is my favorite part of what I get to do. And I want to tell you, um, young people are like watching you. They're paying attention to you and the kind of people that you are becoming as you age and as you grow up. Um, you know, we're handing our discipleship and our, our church and our rhythm of our church over to Gen Z and they are not going to accept a faith journey that causes in them more anxiety or hardness of heart 
or ingratitude or complaint or cynicism. When they look out at the world, they see a lot of that antagonisms and division and complaint and grumbling, and they have their eyes set on something else. I see it all the time. It looks a whole lot more like wonder and celebration and joy and gratitude. It's amazing to get to watch on a daily basis. Uh, You know, people say that when you like endure hardship, like your true self gets revealed. And uh, I've gotten to witness like twice this month, uh, almost three times this month, like people in communities that are grieving just practice gratitude in such a real way. Um, A community of friends offering thanksgiving and joy and telling stories for hours about a friend that they lost who was 27 years old. Um, giving thanks in the middle of their grief, feeling it, but also giving thanks. A son at his wedding who was grieving the fact that his mom wouldn't be there for his mother and son dance, but instead used that moment to offer just honor and celebration and thanksgiving for the legacy of faith and joy that his mom had left. Created such an amazing moment. Uh, a friend of mine who's battling addiction, who just said one of the ways he just makes it through the week is by marking out, writing down God's goodness in gratitude. A practice of gratitude that sustains him. See, this kind of gratitude doesn't just like ignore the pain of the moment, but it feels the full weight of thankfulness regardless of the circumstances. It's the kind of gratitude that comes straight from God. It's the way we're meant to live. Listen, you and I were made to be living, breathing vessels of gratitude in a world of darkness and complaint and cynicism and entitlement. Last week, Tom uh, shared something really cool that just stuck with me. He used this word with. If you were here last week, he said like the whole Christian thing can be summed up with this word with. That God has come down with us and we can be with him. It's this beautiful relational dynamic and a good preposition to take to take with you. I'm gonna give you one more, okay? It's this word in. 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 One of the one of the actually probably the word that's used most in the New Testament. Uh, Let's go back to our verse, if we can pull it up here. It's first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. This is the last time we'll get to 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 do it together. Um, it says this: be joyful always, pray all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, 180 times in the New Testament. It's like the thing he talks about most to describe his relationship with God. Him and Jesus are this thing where it's like, Christ is in me and I am in Christ. And, and follow me as I'm in Christ. He, he goes on and on, in Christ. The, the hope of glory, he says, is Christ in you. It's this awesome preposition to describe where we stand with Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus. That you don't have to look around and wonder based on your circumstances what God's will is for you. It's like spelled out for you. God's will for you in Christ Jesus is to give thanks in all circumstances. As if to say, if you're a Jesus follower, like you're in Christ and Christ is in you. We had a baptism this morning. A young man, a young adult got in the water and he proclaimed uh, that he was like participating in 
Christ's death and resurrection, raised up out of the water, united with Jesus in his death and resurrection. That's like what we do. Uh, In fact, because God entered human flesh and underwent the worst of circumstances, you and I may be closest to God when we're at our worst. Does that make sense? I had a friend who, who put it this way to me. It just stuck with me for years now. And he just, he was explaining that because God entered human flesh and suffered on our behalf, that we may never be closer to God than in our sufferings. So it means that you and I can be in Christ and suffering. You and I can be in Christ and grieving a loss at the same time. You can be in Christ and feel abandoned. You can be in Christ and in pain and suffering. Here's the idea. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life has been linked up with him in such a way that because he offered thanksgiving in the worst of circumstances, so can you and I. We're free to do that. Uh, And so we're going to wrap up and we're going to share in a communion moment together as a community. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we'll, we'll worship here in a moment. Um, you know, it's true that people say, like, when you're under pressure, um, you're, you're, who you really are kind of comes out of you. Like, when we're under pressure, our true self is revealed in a lot of ways. Like, at the core of your being, who you really are will come out under times of pressure. When your circumstances change, Uh, And I know for me, when I'm under pressure or I'm stressed out or whatever it might be, my level of gratitude, like, drops. It sinks. I don't know if you feel that, but who are you when you're under pressure? When it feels like the world is kind of closing in on you. The thing that just strikes me about Jesus is that on the night that he was betrayed— when he was under the most pressure of his life. The Bible talks about it like the principalities and powers, the forces of evil and death were like surrounding him and culminating up to this moment where he would finally be put under arrest and put to death. Under the most pressure of his life. Do you know what flowed out of Jesus in that moment? Gratitude. Thanksgiving. Christine Pohl says it this way, Jesus offered thanks over the bread and the wine before passing it among his disciples, of whom one had already betrayed him, one would deny him, and one would desert him altogether. Still he offered thanks, saying grace by offering up both his words and his very life. Jesus graced the dreadful evening of his betrayal with gratitude. Isn't that amazing? He gave thanks knowing full well that the people in that room would betray him. Knowing what was ahead of him, he offered thanksgiving. It was in that circumstance that our Savior offered thanksgiving. You know, every week uh, we celebrate a meal together. The communion meal. And if, if you grew up in a different kind of maybe church tradition, you might have heard this word. They might have called it the Eucharist. 
Um, and for us, it looks like this, this little cup that you might have received on your way. And I want to invite you to take that out um, at this moment. There's a little bread in there and some, some juice. Uh, you know, for, for centuries now, for 2,000 years, in every circumstance, the Christian community has gathered around this Eucharist meal. And, and the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. It's an old word that just means thanksgiving. And so it's not just on Thanksgiving weekend, but for every single week of the year, Christians have done this through a bunch of pandemics and wars and division and all the craziness uh, of life for thousands of years to celebrate and give thanks. It's like the center of what we do is this Thanksgiving meal. So we're just going to really simply partake in that together. I invite you to grab that out, maybe open it up. And I'll lead it through. You know, Paul has these other words that he wrote to a different community. Um, And he describes it this way. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I invite you to take the bread in this moment. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. He goes on to say, wherever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thanksgiving meal. Let's pray together as we continue to worship. So God, we we do give thanks for this moment as we call to mind right now the things in our life, uh, the faces of family members and friends and opportunities and life experiences that all we can do when we call them to mind and receive them as good gifts from you, all we can do is just say thanks. God, thank you that no matter where we stand in this room, that we're, we're a group of people that we're located in you, God, in Christ. In you there is hope, and in you there is faith. In you there is a peace that is real, that doesn't ignore the stuff that we're going through. In you there is endurance and resilience and strength that we can draw on. So Jesus, even for those of us who just don't even feel like giving any sort of thanks, we don't feel grateful at all, God. We just ask that you would help us to reach and borrow some of your gratitude for the moment that we're in right in the middle of life circumstances, God, would you make us a people who are marked by gratitude? God, we offer you these next few moments of worship. We offer you the rest of this day and this week as a community as we listen and give thanks 
expectant for you to continue to move and work in all the wonderful ways that you do in this community. So God, we love you and we lift this all up to you in your name. Amen.